Every morning is a new opportunity to take in the news of the day and the challenges of life and try to make sense of it all. Right now, we've got a show that tackles the topics and asks what you think. So get ready to start your day with a bold look at history as it happens. Let's learn, live, and sometimes laugh together. It's the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM. The answer. And a good, good morning, everybody. It's hour number three on this Tuesday, the 30th day of January 2024. Upcoming, uh, Governor Abbott, so front of mind that he may be elbowing his way onto the Trump shortlist for VP. Do we like that or are we left somewhat lukewarm by it? Your thoughts, 866-660-5759. Every day, a continuing vigil to see what the Biden White House, what, if anything, they will do in response to the killing of American troops by Iran, make no mistake, and all kinds of other things in the news. It's a busy day every day. So it's a busy day at the Supreme Court today. We got some arguments going on at the Supreme Court. There will be oral arguments in Austin for a case called State of Texas versus Lowe, L-O-E, et al. Proving that no good deed goes unpunished, the state of Texas, through its legislature, which means through us, the people, have decided that we want no part of the trans cult carnage that involves uh, surgically removing the healthy body parts of boys and girls because they are confused enough to think that they are the opposite sex. Uh, SB 14 was the, it is the law that does that. And just like clockwork, along came, and I use again both of these terms very, very loosely. Along come people who dare to call themselves parents and some other people who dare to call themselves doctors, I I can only imagine what dark force guides these parents. It is money that guides these doctors, but whatever motivates anybody toward the evil of uh, mutilating our children on the altar of this this trans mania, we've got a, a, a court case. And Jonathan Covey is here, Director of Policy for Texas Values, talk a little bit about what is before the Supreme Court today. Jonathan, welcome. How are you, sir? Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. Yeah, big fan of you, big fan of your show, so always great to be on. Thank you. How did we get here? Uh, SB 14 passes. Not every state's going to do this. We did. We took our time, quite frankly, but we finally got to clarity and said we're not going to permit this. What is the legal basis that anybody might bring to say that the state of Texas doesn't have a right uh, to ban this outrage? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the state of Texas is defending uh, SB 14, this law, uh, and you explained it very well, uh, based on procedural grounds as well as substantive merits of the law. So you're basically, you're basically going to see three questions dealt with being argued by both sides and being considered by the court. Number one, uh, the question is, uh, we, we know parents have a constitutional right to direct the medical decisions of their kids, but how far does that right extend, and when is it okay for the state to place limits on those healthcare choices. Number two, do doctors have a right to perform gender transitioning interventions on children? Do doctors have a right themselves? And then number three, does the Texas Constitution guarantee equal protection for individuals based on transgender status? Those are the those are the three big questions, and they'll involve a, a litany of complicated constitutional law arguments that only lawyers. Uh, would understand. 
Gotcha. All right. Well, let's let's take them. Let's dig at least a little bit deeper on all three. The first, and none of them are easy. But does a parent? I'm I'm Mr. Parents' Rights. I mean, we talk about parents' rights all. You guys, Texas Values talks about parents' rights all the time. The right to make sure that our school libraries are free of pornography. The right to dictate the path of our kids' education. We are we are soldiers for parents' rights. But when a parent seeks the right to do something that is grotesque and 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 non-science based i i mean there are all kinds of procedures we don't if your 14 year old decides he wants a tattoo there's not a parent that can say he can do it so that that that, i'm sorry that one seems easy as far as doctors there is no right for a doctor to perform a procedure that is illegal period once it's illegal doctor no longer has the right to do it so check mark number two what about number three, though? The constant, the equal. Uh, listen, I'm a fan of equality when it involves people whose rights should be equal, but not everybody is the same. Uh, the, the, it seems like equality of result rather than equality of opportunity. Let's explore just for a moment whether equal equal protection means that an eleven year old who thinks he's a girl has the same right as an adult who seeks uh, some other kind of medical procedure. Right. I mean, and you're exactly right. So the Texas Constitution talks about that, that everyone is equally protected based on race, sex, color, creed, and national origin. Uh, nowhere in there do you see uh, it mentions transgender status. Um, and so you'll, you'll probably see this argument coming up uh, also, you know, that, that, that this is a very specific thing. This is very narrowly tailored. And also kids, um, you know, ki- kids, that they they tend to resolve these types of feelings, you know, make, making the and there's also the point that the government mandating a person having a medical procedure and a government prohibiting an individual from having from doing certain risky procedures. Those are two very different propositions deserving two di- very different levels of protection. And, and then finally, you know, just talking about protecting people equally. Well, SB 14 does. You see that SB 14 says that these gender transition services are banned not only for females, but also for males. So so it's an equal standard, and SB 14 meets it. Jonathan Covey is here, Director of Policy for Texas Values. Um, we're a conservative state. We are we we have one would think a, a Supreme Court elected largely by conservative people. So is optimism high for success here, or you know, could this be squirrely? You know, it is. Uh, I think you're going to see favorable treatment from the Texas Supreme Court because you know these justices are constitutional scholars. They they know the history and they know the original intent of the Texas Constitution and of. Uh, Texas statutory law. You're going to see, you'll see the state making a number of arguments here, um, including what I just said, and also including that there's a long tradition of governmental regulation of medicine and of banning procedures and treatments, which are unduly risky for patients. Uh, And of course, the other side is just basically going to make the argument that um, under due process, that there's a lot of rights and privileges that we enjoy that sound in personal autonomy, which is fine. They can make that argument, but they're relying on junk science to back up their claims. And we've seen this in legislative court hearings, and we've shown that over and over. All right. Last thing I want to do is I want to go back and revisit one. uh, And this is something that a lot of 
soft governors who fail to have clarity on this, soft Republicans, Asa Hutchinson in Arkansas, and are soft. I mean, he was not governor anymore, but uh, he was and, and then ran for president on the same specious basis that he doesn't want to. Uh, Chris Christie, I think, uh, gave this a shot that we don't want to get in the way of parental decision making. We don't want to interfere with with the rights of families to resolve this in the way they wish. Why doesn't that fly? You know, the justices know that a vulnerability of a child is not licensed to inflict harm on gender dysphoric children. So so when you impose cross-gender affirmation efforts as a as a sole response to gender dysphoric children, you do so blatantly ignoring the data and blatantly ignoring the fact that the vast majority of children will naturally resolve their biological sex when they reach young adulthood. So you're, you're ignoring the data, trying to medically solve a problem that resolves itself 85 to 95 percent of the time. I mean, let's call this what it is. It's child abuse. And parents are not allowed to abuse their children. That's it. TexasValues.org for everything they are doing. Jonathan Covey, Director of Policy for Texas Values, SB 14, before the Supreme Court. It deserves to be upheld. Jonathan, thank you very much. Appreciate it always. Always a pleasure. You Thanks, You betcha. Mark. Jonathan Covey, Texas Values. Good folks fighting the good fight. 917. It is the great Phil Collins' 73rd birthday. Probably going to close out the hour and thus the show with uh, with a Genesis uh, deep cut that I just love. But from the solo career, and Hello, I Must Be Going, great album title. This is Through These Walls. Phil loves him some Texas, loves him some Alamo Alamo memorabilia, (laughs) say that five times fast, and has donated a bunch of it to the state just from his personal collections and his affinity for that part of our storied history. Look at there. All righty. Will Texas history contain, and the enormity of this is kind of, uh, it gets kind kind of fun. If you think about whether there is a... A, a, a bounce at the moment for Governor Abbott and whether he might be working his way onto Abbott's or onto Trump's shortlist for VP, a Trump Abbott ticket in, uh, for 2024, Trump would be a one-term president. I mean, ran, ran and won one, got elected once, can only be elected one more time. And Greg Abbott remains a thoroughly youthful man. I know that because he is precisely the same age as me. <laughs> we were born exactly the same day, November 13th, 1957. So anyway, if, if I'm youthful and vibrant, <laughs> oh, Lordy. But at the end of that, he went, oh, God, are we going to be 70 at the end of this next term? Oh, Governor, what are we going to do? Anyway, though, does that give him the inside track to maybe be the 48th president of the United States? I don't know. Maybe we're tired of electing septuagenarians by then, but... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, though, uh, not to overthink, but I don't want to underthink either. Governor Abbott was on with Hannity last night. And the question of each day is, you know, what's who's going to blink? Well, I'm, well first of all, I, I consider the White House to have blinked already. Uh, they are not on an hourly basis. Of course, I guess they're kind of busy determining how to ineptly respond to the attack on American troops in Jordan. 
but uh, they are not making hourly taunts toward Governor Abbott or our state of Texas saying, we're, we're coming with the pruning shears. Hold, hold that razor wire out for us. We're going to cut it. Yeah. We haven't heard a lot of that. Might they? Would they change? Would, would they bow up to us? Governor Abbott last night. And as Border Patrol Council and Border Patrol members have made clear to Texas and to myself, uh, they want to have nothing to do with regard to tearing down that razor wire or tearing down uh, the barriers that Texas has erected for one simple reason. And that's because they are working. Border Patrol says that what Texas has done to secure the border actually makes their job even easier. The only resistance we're facing is coming from Joe Biden. Know this, Sean, and that is Joe Biden is in violation of federal law that already exists. For one, he is not living up to his duty to deny illegal entry across the border. Instead, he's aiding that illegal entry. The second thing is he's not, once people do cross the border, uh, he is not detaining them as he's, as he's required by law. Instead, he's giving mass parole across the country. Because Joe Biden is not enforcing the federal immigration laws, that gives Texas the right, under that Article One, Section 10 of the Constitution, to defend ourselves from imminent harm or from an invasion. So Texas has every constitutional right in this case. And I believe when the sun sets on this, Texas will be vindicated and the Constitution will be strengthened. Man, uh, see Greg Abbott rolling up to a podium shortened for his convenience at the uh, Milwaukee convention of the Republican National Convention in August. Uh, I mean this metaphorically, but I mean it quite seriously. He could very well stand tall at such an event. And again, I don't want to overanalyze this or overthink this, but you take a look at DeSantis. That's great. Uh, and, and honestly, what's DeSantis? 40-something? May, maybe Trump Abbott? And then, and and by the time, and listen, if Abbott wants to run for president at at the age of 70, and will I be doing talk shows at that time? Sure looks like it. There's no getting me out of this room. <laughs> uh, we'd have a choice between somebody with a track record as Trump's vice president versus somebody coming in as a generational uh, voice. Uh, DeSantis, there could be other people. I'm like, look at me talking about the 28 GOP field. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, Tim Scott's great. Tim Scott's great. Boy, I, as, as this as this as this plays out, I, let's, let's sleep on this a little bit because in the next half hour, I may have three things I want to get to. Bam, bam, bam! In rapid succession, let this marinate. Sleep on this a little bit, and tomorrow I may do a, a an extended examination of Abbott as Trump's VP and just sort of see how it flies with y'all. I need to see how it flies with me first. I will tell you, it's something I've just not really thought about like at all. But there's something about this moment. Sometimes, what, what's the big, uh, gosh, what's the old quote? I'm going to mangle it. Some folks, you know, make history, others do something, and others have history thrust upon them. But you make the most of these opportunities. And this opportunity, Governor Abbott has shown a fighting spirit and an ability. Is there any more important thing that a governor can do than then protect his state, her state, whoever the governor may be, against the tyranny of Washington under Biden. Is there anything that's more important? And Abbott is stepping up in a big way. 
Yeah. You know, we have relevant U.S. laws. Joe Biden has been aiding and abetting in the lawbreaking. Joe Biden, not even go further. Uh, he is he is violating uh, the laws of this country. He is violating his oath to uphold our Constitution. I could put up on the screen all, you know, uh, Title 8 U.S.C. 1324. You know, it prohibits alien smuggling, domestic transportation. You know, it goes into, you know, every harboring illegal immigrants, encouraging or inducing conspiracy, aiding and abetting. If I did any one of the things that Joe Biden has now institutionalized, I would be in jail. And I doubt that the best lawyers in America could get me off the hook. Well, fair point. But also, you're making another profound point. You listed all those different ways that, that the Biden administration has these duties and responsibilities. Because they're not just doing that job poorly, but because they have totally abandoned doing that job whatsoever, that is exactly what gives Texas our constitutional right for Texas to be able to act. So by, by Texas building the barriers that we have, by us taking the action to repel illegal immigration, we're fully authorized because the, the federal government has ceded or, or conceded the field of immigration enforcement, and Texas has picked up that duty, and we're the ones in self-enforcement. And let me tell you this amazing number, Sean. If you know where that park is, where uh, Texas now has taken over and we blockaded uh, that park, that is an area where sometimes over the past year there would be as many as two or three or more than that thousand people coming across the border a day. Yesterday, there were just six people crossing the border. Razor wire works. All right, man. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to go in full political swoon here. And I mean, please, I'm on the guy for you know 20 some years. I, I, I don't know. If DeSantis ain't interested, he just wants to be happy governor of Florida and keep his powder dry for 28. Okay. Is there, uh, and I do have the Tim Scott idea is lovely. That's great. Um, hmm. I think I just uh, want to mark. <laughs> we could market a T-shirt. I think even the governor himself would have a sense of humor about this. Trump Abbott 24. Let's roll. <laughs> Get it. All right. For the... Hey, the governor himself approaches the whole situation with quite the sense of humor. I think is not this past re-election campaign, but the uh, the previous one. He said a lot of politicians talk about having a spine of steel. I actually have one. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let, uh, let's roll together into the next segment, into the newsroom first. 931. Mark Davis. Here's Nikki Whaley. Little chuckles of laughter there preceding. Great little track from an underappreciated 70s band, because by now you know, I do love the 70s bands. Little Humble Pie. 30 Days in the Hole. Steve Marriott up front. Would have been 77 today, passed away back in 91. Humble Pie for about 10 minutes there featured a fairly uh, talented, really, really young guitarist. Guy named Peter Frampton. Alrighty. All right, speaking of the whole, we have uh, dug ourselves in financially as a country. This, how did we get here? What is one of the main problems that we have always talked about every time? And everybody is so proud to do it. So proud to do it. 
Uh, Congressman Joe Blow once said he just uh, managed to get uh, you know X number of millions of dollars to come to to Poughkeepsie or you know Paducah or whatever. And what that is is other uh, other other taxpayers, other taxpayers paying for our stuff. Other uh, other taxpayers. Why why in the world are taxpayers? Paying for why are Texas taxpayers paying for bridges in Iowa? Why are Iowa taxpayers paying for you know road projects in Texas and vice versa? It, it, all this money it goes to Washington, it gets processed through the sigmoid colon that is federal spending, and, and then gets distributed out uh, to other people. L- leave me alone. Tax me way less and let my state take care of my own stuff. So how does this get to the uh, the racket, the slush fund? That is electric vehicles. Look, nothing's wrong with electric cars. They're cool. Buy all you want. It's great. Charging stations, uh, the car company should pay for them or just just what, whatever. It is not electric. Sponsor them. Sponsor them. Charging your car now, uh, you know, courtesy of Amazon. Charging your car now, courtesy of, uh, you know, Starburst. What, what, whatever. I don't care. But I, I don't want a dime of my tax money going to charge uh, to some stupid charging station uh, in Idaho. Yeah, lots of EVs in Idaho. <laughs> Which, by the way, is part of the problem. Because here's the very, very good and hardworking Larry Collins on Channel 5 this very morning. Oh, this is going to be so, this is going to be just orgasmic. In Dallas, they got a bunch of people. Ooh, look at the $100 million that we get that we have hosed other taxpayers for to come build charging stations in uh, in Texas. And you know what? They're not even building them where it makes sense. <laughs> like downtown Dallas, where most of the EVs are in some of your more affluent suburbs. Anyway, here's Larry. We have learned that of that $100 million, $85 million is coming to the DFW region. This money will go to EV charging stations in all 16 regional counties with additional uh, information and some attention paid to rural communities and disadvantaged communities. <laughs> rural communities, because there are so many Teslas in Bosque County. Yeah, and and just tons of of uh, of, of seventy five thousand dollar EVs in the ghetto. Great, great guys, great geniuses. Leaders tell me they hope this will fill some of the gaps in our local electric vehicle infrastructure. Why are there gaps in the EV infrastructure? Because they're not popular enough. The the, the hurts. Look what you know what Hertz did the other day. The car rental people they had blown squillions of dollars on all these electric vehicles because all the smart kids told them everybody's going to want to rent an EV. No, no, they don't. What has really? Oh, so they gave a bunch of them back. Become a booming industry. They hope this will ensure that no communities or residents will be left out without stations, forced to travel to other places to charge. Look what you have to do. Look, silly, silly, stupid me. I'm going to get, when I finish this show, I'm going to get out there in a car. I'm going to hop into a car. I'm going to hear the magnificent roar of an internal combustion engine, and off I go. And there'll be not one shred of tension in me about the possibility of running out of gas. Life is sweet. You see, charging stations, they say, can change the economic outlook for a smaller North Texas community or an underserved neighborhood in a larger city that's simply looking for a rebirth. What? We're looking, so it's so the thing is not there just to charge your Tesla anymore, which is a noble enough cause. It's there to revitalize your community. 
Oh my. The charging station location app would suddenly make an area a destination location. <laughs> because if you don't go to that destination, your car will be dead on the road. That's attractive. If you can put a charging station in close proximity to like a historic downtown Main Street, for example, um, then that's an opportunity for the businesses nearby. to. This is Lori Clark uh, with the North Texas, North Central Texas Council of Governments. She's the, and God bless, lovely woman, I'm sure. She's the DFW Clean Cities Director. Mm -hmm. Look, I like clean cities. We should all want clean cities. But shoehorning people into choices they don't want to make and dragging them to places. Just I said, your choice is visit this historic district or your car dies on the side of the road. Mm-mm-mm. Benefit from that increased um, through traffic, essentially. It can, it can bring people through as, as kind of a stopping point. Now, part of the funding is for creating the first five hydrogen fueling stations in the state of Texas for big freight trucks. Two will be in North Texas, one in Dallas and one in Fort Worth. Hydrogen will get to hydrogen on another day, but <laughs> golly, 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 golly. Ah, okay, let's see. Uh, next, next, next. What do we want to do next? Um, okay, hotel explosion. Remember the Sandman Hotel uh, blowed up in, in Fort Worth about three weeks ago? Um, and... and I mean, the, the the rubble had hardly hit the ground before people were saying, eh, gas explosion, which I guess it was. Is is there still some, in, I mean, some investigation going on with that? Meanwhile, uh, the folks at Atmos are, are getting sued all over the place, and they are asking a court to essentially say, uh, it, it, it wasn't me. It, 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 it wasn't us. Teresa Woodard last night. Uh, this says nine lawsuits involving 33 people have been filed against them, and they say no one should be suing them because they claim they're not responsible. And tonight, Atmos is basically asking a judge to declare that publicly. They claim evidence will show the gas leak that caused the explosion was inside the hotel and not on any of Atmos's lines. So Atmos wants a judge to declare that its system did not cause or contribute to the explosion and to declare it not liable for any damages. Hmm. How good are the forensics on stuff like this? Probably pretty good. I'm, I'm shocked at what people are able to discern at a crime scene or, you know, a fire or, or, or an explosion site. Yeah, that is a big difference because if it uh, if it blowed up by something outside the hotel, that's an Atmos problem. If it's something inside the hotel, it's more it's the hotel's problem. There's more. Atmos claims the hotel owner has, quote, little incentive to protect or preserve evidence. So it's asking for a temporary restraining order to keep the hotel owner from messing with any evidence. Dude, really? Uh, okay. Uh, that's that's a strong accusation. <laughs> that, that that the hotel, that the Sandman Hotel people are saying, oh, where did those papers go? I don't I don't have the slightest idea. Just wishing, just hoping for the uh, for for the um, the blame to fall on the gas company. Well, at least the end of March. And finally, Atmos is asking to be allowed onto the hotel property so it can do an inspection of its own. Now, it was January 8th, three weeks ago tonight, when the hotel exploded, injuring 21 people, four of them critically. While Atmos has publicly said its lines were not responsible and now repeats that in this lawsuit, a Fort Worth Fire Department investigation into the exact cause does remain open. Okay, well, let's 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 wrap that one up, shall we? I think that, that would be a good idea. 
Um, speaking of, let me just do one thing on this. I don't know that this may prevent me from getting to police chases in Fort Worth, but, uh, but it's, it's worth it. Speaking of things that should be wrapped up by now, and it's just insane that it's not, um, shouldn't we be able to figure out by now, uh, whether, uh, Brent Hagenboo lives in that Senate district 30 or doesn't. I I've I've said multiple times that I don't um I don't know how many people care about this but I think people do care about the degree to which maybe they are getting hosed and yesterday uh Cody Clark was uh was on with us and said that the um the people who have endorsed Brent from the aforementioned governor Abbott uh, to uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, to a bunch of, uh, of prominent conservative Texas senators to win all in for Brent. And Brent just exudes all kinds of qualifications and seems by all rights to be a great guy, a great candidate, and would be a great senator, I am sure. But he listed as his residence an office building where he has like a corner of a cot and a coffee maker in the corners and, and seeks to assert that he lives there. It's obvious that he doesn't. Now, here's the thing. Can you legally establish kind of a residency footprint in that office building? If you can, then okay. Then let's start running on some real issues. Could we please? Could we please? There, I think there's an eagerness on behalf of uh, of a lot of people to do that. Here, hang on a second. I don't know how many of you all uh, heard this. This was um, this was Cody yesterday uh, on that on that very point. Yeah, I think that's a real concern, and, uh, and uh, unfortunately, it muddies the water. It confuses constituents. Uh, it should be embarrassing for his uh, endorsers and people that have given him money. Um, I think it will go beyond the March 5th primary, and we're going to have to continue to solve it. I think that it is entirely likely that we'll end up having some kind of runoff as well. And so I'd like to get it uh, decided, put on the trial docket, and get it solved as soon as humanly possible. But the court grinds slow it does cody clark is here running for sd30 it should be embarrassing for his endorsers that's greg abbott dan patrick rick perry and some of your soon-to-be fellow uh, senate colleagues if you win yeah i meant that yeah i meant that all righty we're in clifton wayne you get to take us out how you doing sir good so uh just a quick uh, little news blip um, I recently moved down here to Bosque County. I have a Ford truck. And in November, I went to the Ford dealership just to get a little bit of service. Mm-hmm. And they told me that in January this month, they lost their Ford dealership. Ford yanked their dealership because now I don't know if this is entirely the reason, but most of the reason was they did not have electric vehicle trained mechanics oh no so ford came ford ford came to them and said you're not going to have a ford dealership anymore uh which i found very very strange as I, well I you should no i don't listen that makes me want to look into it thank you i love when people give me stuff worth looking into so the 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 thesis might be that ford god love them i'm a big fan of ford i've owned a lot of their products yep. uh they are punishing dealerships that don't bend to the knee of having sufficient ev technicians 
that that was sort of the implied. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's the legal answer, well, but that's sort of what I mean, they told me. If it's a marketplace answer, I mean, it's funny because I mean, if 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 the if the clientele is ill served because they're not you know hiring an EV guy and they need an EV guy, well then fix the problem, don't close the dealership. And it's kind of funny. I use Bosque County as my example of a place where there might not be that much of an EV appetite. Wayne, thank you. Appreciate the call. Nine fifty. For the great Phil Collins turning 73, the good Genesis album, and then there were three, and Snowbound. For producer Rhonda K. Marlin on X at producer Rhonda K. R-O-N-D-A, capital K. And thank you, Mr. Matt, for the technical guru skills, and Nikki for news excellence. So earlier in the Mark and Mike segment, which you can hear and see Salem News Channel coming up at 1040. He replays it. Mike makes uh, draws attention to a shirt I'm wearing today. You can see it on the screen at that time, 1040. It's from the Life is Good collection. It shows four guitar necks of different colors and says diversified portfolio. If you want one of those, I put the link up on Twitter. <laughs> I'm hawking clothes now. The aforementioned Mike Gallagher is next. And you and me, we're back together tomorrow. Right here on 660 AM, The Answer. Enjoy this beautiful day. See you tomorrow.